<laughs> those of you in the back and those of you online, my name is Michael. Welcome to North Village Church uh, in person, online. It's great. It's great to be with you. Uh, man, if you're at home, it's great to be with you uh, at home. If you're able to come, man, you should come on out, be with us here at 4 p.m. It's a lot of fun. Uh, but but if, if you're not, we're, we're excited to uh, connect with you online. Uh, we're excited to get into God's Word. Last Sunday, we launched Titus, and, and we, we're calling it Surrender, and it's surrendering our lives to Jesus so that we see beautiful lives in Jesus, right? That's the idea. We're going to surrender our lives to Jesus so that we see beautiful lives in, in Jesus. And I don't know about you, but when I look around, like, I don't see a lot of beauty in, in our world. Uh, it just seems like there's a lot of chaos and, and just a lot of voices, just a lot of chirping, uh, just, a, you know, about COVID-19. And don't you know about COVID-19 and presidential elections and what you're supposed to do and Supreme Court justice and, and you know, just uh, uh, Brianna Taylor and, and how to respond to that. And you're like reading, you're like just a common person reading affidavits, like trying to take in like legal jargon. It's just like a lot of, a lot of chirping going on. And, and it's, it's just around our, it's around us all the time. And, and it's not just out there. It's not just like brokenness out there in our world. Like I see that brokenness in my Self personally, like I see just like more character flaws. Like I know I had character flaws before this season of life, but I'm just seeing more character flaws and seeing like character flaws I hadn't seen in a long time. I'm like, hey, old friend, where have you, where have you been? And then just that's leading into just critical spirit. I'm kind of frustrated with myself, and then I get frustrated with the people around me, and I just find myself becoming apathetic. And just like, who really cares anyways, and just coming indifferent. And then that bleeds into my job, and then my job, I find it hard to just be motivated. I don't know about you, that's, I just find it hard to be creative, uh, find it easy to, like, you know, it doesn't really matter, you know, just really. And that, and that, that kind of bleeds over into just, like, poor eating decisions and just, like, just eat away my <laughs> confusion, and then that leads to poor Sleeping habits, and it's just like, right? It's like a cycle of funk. It's like we've been in this now for seven months, and sometimes I look in the mirror, and I'm like, who are you? Like, what happened to Michael? And it kind of reminds me of this orange. I have an orange tree at home. They're not fully this orange yet, and so I had to go buy an orange. But uh, it, you know what happens if you, uh, if you squeeze this orange, you know what comes out? You, you get, you, oh, that's a lot. You get orange juice. I know. You don't get this kind of insight just anywhere. It's at North Village Church. We have this kind of insight. But, man, life right now is kind of squeezing us, right? All these circumstances, all these challenges, like we're kind of getting squeezed by life. And you know, you know what's coming to the surface? It's just, just like Gallagher. <laughs> it's uh, like a lot of a lot of sin juice, that's what's coming to the surface, like, right? We're seeing all this come, come to the surface, and we're like, where did this come from? Ugh, where do these character flaws come from? Where do these frustrations come from? And we start looking around for somebody to blame, don't we? You're like, well, it's probably President Trump. Like, if it wasn't for this president, we wouldn't have this problem. And then, we're, then we're looking to our, you know, like, you know, it's, it's my job. If my job made it easier, we wouldn't have this problem. It's my spouse. How many of us were pointing our fingers at our spouse? If I had a different spouse, I probably wouldn't have these problems. And we're looking at our children. Our children are looking at mom and dad. You know, you start, you got looking at your city. You're like, if I didn't live in Austin, I bet I wouldn't have these problems. If I live in Austin, I'm going to move in Leander. That's not far enough. I'm going to move to Liberty Hill. 
Oh, that's not far enough. I'm moving to Lano. Just like, you're just like, I'm going to get away. You know, sometimes even at church, we start thinking like, if I was at a bigger church, I probably wouldn't have these problems. If I was at a smaller church, I probably wouldn't have, like, if I was at a more diverse church, like, it's just, we're all, we're looking, and here's the reality. It's like, all that sin juice that's coming to the surface, like, it was already there. It's not President Trump. It's not COVID-19. It's not the city of Austin. It's not our spouse. That anger, that apathy, that bitterness, that despair, it was there. And just the circumstances are bringing it out. And the good news is, is that God's word speaks to our circumstances. Last Sunday, we started off Titus chapter 1. Jesus is the trigger. We are chosen in Jesus. We're not chosen in Jesus because we're lovely. He says we're chosen while we're still sinners. While, we're, while we have nothing to offer, Jesus has come and put his love upon us. While sin juice is flying everywhere, he doesn't flinch. He says, I love you. He's not surprised by the roller coaster of our emotions. He's not concerned at our instability. He's not waiting for the next president, for this all to go away. No, he, he knows we are sinners. He knows what's at the core of our hearts and By grace, through faith, he has come to place his eternal love upon you. Praise God. Look, if you're a teenager here today, listen to me. Man, as you go through life, there's going to be people that are drawn towards you as a teen because you're funny, because you're pretty, because you got money, because you got gadgets, because you're athletic, because you're smart. Jesus comes and draws near to you at your worst He comes and draws near to you when you have nothing to offer. That is the gospel. When he knows every offense, every fault, every flaw, and he calls you his. That's Titus chapter 1. And we saw characteristics in Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1, God's word is like, look, I know circumstances are crazy, but this is who you are in Christ. You're you're loyal. You're, You're not... You're, you're, you're above reproach. You're faithful. You're not, quick, you're, quick temp, you're not quick-tempered. You're not addicted to substance. You're, you're self-controlled. You love what is good. Like, I know there's chaos right now. I know there's circumstances. I know there's juices flying everywhere. But keep looking to Jesus because this is who you are. It's a beautiful life. He's our North Star. Eyes on Jesus. And then today we're going to look at verses 10 to 16. The Apostle Paul is going to help us see that you need to know there's people and there's patterns that are trying to distract us from who we are in Christ. That's taking place right now. There's voices chirping all around us. People, people out there and patterns, patterns in here that want to distract us from the beautiful lives we have in Jesus. And we're going to see... Three subpoints. We're going to see the description. We're going to see who these people and patterns are. We're going to see the reaction. And we're going to see the exhortation. We're going to see the encouragement. Typically, we would have somebody read through the passage, but each one of our points is going to kind of go verse by verse through the passage. So we're just going to jump right into it. Titus is written by the Apostle Paul. Make sure we're all on the same page. Titus is written by the Apostle Paul, and uh, he, he's writing. Uh, uh, to, to, to Titus on the island of Crete. Remember we touched on this last week. See that little island right there in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea? The Apostle Paul's life has been changed by Jesus. He's proclaiming the name of Jesus around the Roman Empire. Churches have started on the island of Crete. And these people on the island of Crete are described as lying, evil, gluttonous people. 
Now, I want to clarify, when the Apostle Paul describes it, it's in verse 10, when the Apostle Paul describes it, it's not just people out there that are lying, evil, gluttonous people. The Apostle Paul's charge is also to the church, to the household of God. Look at verse 13. It says, reprove them severely so that they may be sound in the faith. That these are men, women, and children in Jesus. They've gotten distracted from the gospel. He says, reprove them severely. In verse 14, people who turn away from the truth. So that means at some point, these people, these people are in Jesus, locked on Jesus. They've gotten distracted. So he says, look, they've, they've turned away. We want to we speak to them. So I just want to caution us. As we look at Titus 1, verses 10 to 16, we tend to always think about people outside the local church, but this is, this is to the local church. So we're, we're talking about community group, being in community group. Conversation starts, you know, just stirring towards division, being disruptive, distracting us from these beautiful lives we have in Jesus. People on the worship team. It's not just the people at the bar down the street. It's the people on the worship team that are taking little jabs to each other, right? Just distracting us from the beautiful lives we have in Jesus. It's the people counting money on Sunday, and as they're counting that money, they're saying to themselves, like, did you hear? Did you hear? Just little, little, little comments, right? It's so easy for us all. So the Apostle Paul is writing, yes, there's people out there, but also within the local church. So let's look at the first one, the description. In verses 10 to 12, we see there's three types of people and patterns that are leading us astray from the beautiful lives we have in Jesus. So let's look at verses 10 to 12. It says, For there are many rebellious men, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sordid gain. One of themselves, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. So in verse 10, we see three. We see the list, rebellious men, empty talkers, and deceivers. It's easy for us to think about people out, outside the church, maybe Jehovah's Witnesses, maybe Latter-day Saints, maybe people that are saying the name of Jesus and just being disruptive, people like Rob Bell, maybe churches that have taken on liberal theology and there are there are people outside of north village church that are distracting us from a beautiful life in jesus and we do need to be on guard but we also want to be mindful of the patterns that are showing up in our lives personally man and my thought is, is if we can identify it in ourselves we're going to easily identify it outside of our church family you with me young people you listening don't let mom and dad just look for these things don't let mom and dad just look for these warnings these patterns I mean, look at verse 10. It says, for there are many, there are many rebellious men. We're not just talking about a few crazy people out there. We're talking about the craziness that lives in us. The craziness that's in mom and dad, that's in, that's in you as a teenager, in your own faith. We, we, we get distracted. We drift into air. So let's talk about each one of these three. Let's talk about rebellious men first. I think it might be easy for us to overlook rebellion. Rebellion is almost a virtue in our country today, isn't it? Like, it's almost like a noble thing to be rebellious. All of humanity is, is easily led into 
rebellion, but especially Americans are excited about rebellion, especially Texans, right? That's why we rally around, come and take it. Come and take it. Don't tread on me. That's the American Revolution slogan. That's the slogan for the Texas Revolution. That's the, that deep thing inside of us that says, tell me I can't do something. I dare you. Tell me I can't do it. I, I'll prove you wrong. It's rebellion. Right? We love lyrics and songs like the watch I'm wearing. I bought it. The house I live in. I bought it. The car I'm driving. I bought it. I depend on me. That's destiny's child. All the women who independent. Yeah, thank you. How are you going to make it in life? You, you, you don't know Beyonce. You don't know destiny's child. You listen to songs like I see it, I like it, I want it, I bought it. Where do you think Ariana got that? Destiny's child. It's rebellion. It's independence. Gee, thanks. I bought it. We love rocking the boat. We love marching to the beat of our own drum. We love being the Lone Ranger, don't we? We love it. I want to do what I want to do, what I want to do it. Rebellion starts when we're two years old. But you need to know the gospel speaks against rebellion and independence. The gospel actually teaches us that our independence is what drove us away from God. That's Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve, we can do life better on our own. In fact, maybe he's holding us back. That, that, is, that is the essence of all sin is rebellion and independence, that we can do life on our own. Turn on the news, man. It's exhausting to do life on our own. And so the gospel is that Jesus has come to reconcile us to himself, right, to take our sin on the cross, to give us his righteousness by grace, and not just reconcile us to himself, it's not just us and Jesus, but to reconcile us to one another, the body of Christ. And rebellion and independence is antithetical to the gospel. Therefore, we want to be careful when we see patterns of rebellion and independence. Of course, we want to be careful when it's showing up in people outside the local church, but especially when it's showing up in us. When, when there's a, a pattern of wanting to push people away. There's, one of, there's that pattern of like, I just need to be alone. We want to isolate ourselves. A pattern of not wanting to come under God's word. Right? That's, that's, that's rebellion that's being drawn out there. That I don't, I don't want to hear what God's word has to say. I want to do what I want to do. And Christ has come and brought us not only into relationship with himself, but in relationship with one another. We want to be on guard against rebellion. Let's look at empty talkers. Empty talkers has a connotation of saying a lot of nothing. Well, we got a lot of examples in our culture right now of saying a lot of nothing. A lot of empty talkers in mainstream media. A lot of empty talkers on social media, right? Just, right? Just saying, no. <laughs> just, right? You got one side just like all drumming up fear of like socialism and Marxism. Be afraid. They're going to get you. The socialists are going to get you. And then the other side of like, no, it's the, it's the colonial white, like, just... What was that? Oppressive, yeah. What did I write down? Y'all distracted me there. P 
patriarchy. I like the interaction from the crowd, though. But one side, you got Marxism and socialism is going to get us. The other side is patriarchy and white people are going to get us. And it's just all drumming up fear. It's all drumming up emotion. It's all empty chatter, empty talkers saying a lot and it's nothing. And think about how easy it is for us to drift into empty talking when we're with one another. Right? We've been listening to these empty voices all day, and then when we get together with each other, isn't it easy for us to just be like, well, did you, uh, did you hear about what Mayor Adler did? I don't come either. Like, when he went with Trump, and then, like, you know, immigrants from Mexico, and then, like, you know, black people, you know, are like nine out of ten gun owners, and like, you don't, did you see the go- COVID? Nine, just like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Dude, self included. Like, I'm in there with you. Because we're just taking in those empty voices all day, and then we just regurgitate it onto one another. It's from our media. It's from our political officials. It's from pastors. There's national pastors right now just drumming up fear and emotion. Proverbs 15 says, A gentle tongue is a tree of life. Proverbs 16, Gracious words are a honeycomb. Proverbs 25, Like cold water to a weary soul is good news from a distant land. And that's, that's how we want to interact with one another. When we are apart from one another all day, all week, I mean, it's just air suckers. So when we come together, let's not just regurgitate that, but not be empty talkers. Let's be, let's be building up one another in Christ. I wish I could tell you I do this naturally. I wish I could tell you it's like my spiritual gift. I don't even have to think about it. I just naturally encourage people. But I don't. Like, I don't. I have to think about it. I have to pray about it. And so I just, I'm asking you right now, church family. I know we could talk about all the people out there doing it, but I'm talking about right here in North Village Church. Like, let's be on guard against empty chatter. And let's be prayerfully thinking about how we can build one another up. Because if I wing it, it doesn't happen. I have to think about it. I have to pray about who am I going to come in contact today? And then how can I build them up in Christ? And I still fail. I still fell at it. That's why Titus 1, grace and peace. Like, don't forget, this is who you are. And so he's charging us. Like, be on guard against these people. Be these people. This is who you are in Christ. And will you do that with me, church family? Will you take that serious to not give in to empty chatter and prayerfully consider how we might build one another up in Christ? What a challenge for us today. What an opportunity for our church family when the world is tearing each other down. We have an opportunity to be a diverse group of people building one another up. Let's talk about the third one, deceivers. The third one, deceivers. Specifically, it's applied to the circumcision, right? Those of the circumcision. You see that? It's a reference to Jewish people who profess faith in Jesus. They believe in Jesus, but they're also... Um, latching on to external things to feel more holy and righteous like circumcision. Jesus is great, but it doesn't hurt if you could get circumcised. God would probably like you a little bit better if you got circumcised. You want to try to get circumcised? I mean, that's the religious festivals, religious experiences. They're latching on. You could be sitting there, and you're like, is that something that's really challenging for our church family? Not circumcision, but we do latch on to external things. We latch on to external things to try to make ourselves feel more holy, right? Self-included. 
Probably the most obvious right now is COVID-19 and presidential election, right? It's so easy to take your view towards COVID-19 and just feel like that's, that's the biblical view, right? <laughs> like this is what Jesus would do with COVID-19. I mean, of course he would shelter in place. I mean, because he loves people, so he's not going to risk people dying. Why would he do that? That's obviously what God, and so we, we have that view where we kind of think a little bit more highly of ourselves and a little bit less of other people, and you, you know it's external because you can flip it to the other side with COVID-19 and be like, well, of course Jesus would go out. He's not going to live in fear. Come on. Jesus ain't afraid of disease. He's going to go out and be with the people. That's what Jesus does. He goes and he spends time with the people. And, uh, you know, he, if you, that's what I'm doing because I actually care about people because I want them to work and I want them to take care of their families. And it's very subtle. Maybe we don't say it, but we all, we're, all, we're all vulnerable to thinking it and feeling it. And it's that little layer in us that causes us to, like, see, God must be so happy with me. And you, uh, well, one day, uh, <laughs> you're getting close. Right? We do it with COVID-19, we do absolutely do it with presidential election right now because we all know there's one president that Jesus wants, right? <laughs> and we just, we just feel like this is what God would do. And if you don't, then I don't really know what... I mean, you're trying, and God knows you're trying, and that's good. But, but this is... And it's subtle. We do that. We're doing that right now. We're doing it on the fly. But in Christ... We have been made as holy and righteous as we could ever imagine, right? We know this. We've been indwelled with the Holy Spirit. We've been given His righteousness. We've been adopted into His family. How short-sighted of us. How destructive for us to assume that we could possibly make ourselves a little more holy because of a view on COVID-19 or a political vote, right? It's a pattern of deception, and the Apostle Paul writes, they must be silenced. It means it's not cute. Must be silenced. Of course, people out there, but even within our church family, that when we are doing little things to somehow elevate ourselves over the righteousness that we've been freely given in Christ. It is antithetical to the gospel. We need to repent. The Apostle Paul writes in Colossians 2, let no one keep defrauding you of your prize, your prize that you've been given in Christ by delighting in self-abasement, these external things. These are matters which have the appearance of, of wisdom, right? It has the appearance of wisdom, but in Christ you have been made complete. You have been made alive. You have been made holy. You with me? This is the challenge for us, church family. Rebellion, empty talkers, deception, there's all these voices out here right now, all these voices stirring us up. And my challenge for you, it's, it's for me as well, is like, are we going to listen to God's voice? Are we going to get distracted by all these little chirpers out here? Or are we going to listen to God's voice? Because all these little voices out here, they're robbing us of the beautiful lives we have in Christ. So that's the description. Let's talk about the reaction. What do we do with that? How do we respond we see rebellion showing up. 
We see empty talk showing up, deception showing up in our community groups, on Sunday worship, over dinner. What do we do? Look at verses 13 and 14. It says, this testimony is true. For this reason, reprove them severely so that they may be sound in the faith, not paying attention to Jewish myths and commandments of men who turn away from the truth. Now, that word reprove, that word reprove uh, means to correct. We're to reprove them severely. And that might, that might make some of us a little nervous. Reprove severely. Maybe it makes some of us a little excited. We're just like, I can't wait to reprove somebody severely, right? But we need to remember 2 Timothy 2 also. 2 Timothy 2, the Apostle Paul writes, we are to reprove with gentleness. So yes, there is severe, there's a severity to it. There's an urgency to it. But there's a gentleness to it. Because the gospel, the gospel reminds us that we all are sinners. We all can easily drift into error. We all can have these patterns show up in us. And so when we reprove one another, it isn't from a position of superiority of like, oh my gosh, how could you? That's embarrassing. It's from a position of humility, like, oh my gosh, me too. And so we do it with gentleness. Gentleness, we shine the light of Christ into that, into that darkness. And by God's grace, when we turn, we're like, oh my gosh, didn't see that, didn't hear that, didn't, re- oh my gosh, we turn from that error, we turn to truth, we rejoice. We rejoice, like might that happen over and over, like just praise God, like, oh yeah, because that's how easily we can drift into air and just constantly like, yep, boom, did it, got it, thank you, and just keep on going. Now you need to know, Titus chapter 1, he's writing it to Titus, he's a young, he's a young pastor, he says to Titus, set up elders in every city. So this charge, this reaction to reprove, it's ultimately on, it's ultimately on the Holy Spirit, that's the one who's ultimately reproving, right, and then, it's, and then he entrusted to elders, and with our elders as the lead pastor, for a lack of better words, like it's ultimately, most of it falls on my shoulders. That's kind of why I get paid the big bucks, you know, around here to go around just reproving. I, you, you probably have experienced it and you didn't even know it. I, I mean, I try to do it as gentle as possible, but it just, I usually lead off with questions of like, hey, did that, did you, when you said, like, it kind of sounded like, were you thinking like maybe that you didn't nothing? Like, and so it's a lot of that. And so if you've experienced that, you're like, oh, Michael was reproving me. <laughs> so it's mostly on my shoulders, our elders' shoulders. I get it. But I want I want to sh- share the load because like this is how important this is for our church family because if all of us are looking to reprove one another with gentleness, well, that's just going to mean our church is going to shine brighter. That just means the beauty of Christ is going to come up quicker and, and easier, especially as we think about like becoming uh, in a permanent space and, and the possibility of having more people visit. Like, man, we want our church shining as bright as possible, that this is just like a common experience for us, right? For the good of Christ, for the health of our church family. So that's what, that's what I'm, in, I'm inviting you into. And as I, as I thought about it, it reminded me kind of this charge, this challenge for our church family. It reminded me of when we were, uh, my wife and I, we went to Rome, Italy one time. Remember when we used to travel? Man, we used to get on an airplane and go places. It was fun. We went to Rome, Italy. We were on a subway, and while we were in Rome, Italy, they had the worst 
rainstorm that Rome has ever uh, experienced, I think. And you might be thinking, Michael, you just said you were in a subway on a train. How did you, how'd you know it was raining? And it's because the subway was flooding. The subway train comes to a stop. The doors open, and like ripples and bubbles of water just come rushing in. <laughs> we're underground. Water's rushing up to our shins. Uh, Oh, it's a scary feeling, underground, water rushing in, and people start, you know, walking out. And there were some people on, you know, with some uniforms and just kind of, you know, doing some of this. And we're in, we're in Rome, Italy, you know. And so I'm like, I walk up to them, my, all my Italian. I'm like, eh, you know. I'm like, eh, vetute bene. You know, you got to have like a little flair, vetute bene. And, uh, <laughs> and, the, and the, the official is just like, bene, bene, you know, just keep walking, like, bene, bene. And we're like, okay. And so we're just following the crowd. And, and we, we're, we're like, this is not going to go well. We get kind of uh, to a point in the subway, and, and the water's still rushing in. But then we round the corner, and we see some stairs, and we see some light at the top of the stairs. We're like, oh, okay. So we go up. But now we're in a totally different place than our destination. And so we're totally confused. Rain is still pouring down. We're looking for a hotel. It should be right there, but all we see is a wall. So we start looking for, like, officials, people who know, like, Romans, like real people, and we're like, hey, bene, tutu, bene, you know, like, what's going, hey, bene, bene, just keep walking, keep walking. We walk for like an hour in the rain, and then we finally uh, make it to our hotel, and uh, the, the people at the front desk are like, tutu, bene, and we're like, no, no, everything is not uh, okay, we're, we're drenched here, and Man, as I was studying this passage this week, it kind of reminded me of that story because right now our country kind of feels like that flood subway moment. Like, you know, like water's rushing in, we're all going to die, right? I don't know, is that just me? Just like, oh my gosh, what's, go- what's going to happen? And, and we're all like looking around. Like we're all thinking like, is everything going to be okay? And we're looking to like officials, people that should know the answers, like our government officials, our people in the media, and we're like, we're like asking them, even if we're not, like, is everything, is everything going to be okay? And I, it's just like, they're not just like, just keep walking. And we're like, I don't know, because like, it's flooding. And like, it looks like we're going to die. And they're like, just keep walking. It's like, no big, no big deal. Like, and I just, I just, I just want to encourage this church family. Like, look, our whole world right now is, is looking around. Our souls right now are looking around. And our government officials might not have the answers, but Christ does. God's word does. And when you're in Christ, you're indwelled with the Holy Spirit. You've been, you've been given the body of Christ. You've been given his word. And like we have the answers. Like we have hope. Like we're in the, we're in the household of God. And, 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 the, and the whole world is like looking for answers. And like, is everything going to be okay? And like we can tell ourselves and we can tell one another and we can we can tell the people around us like yes because of Christ everything is going to be okay like we have Christ we have eternal life we have he's conquered death he's conquered disease like there's nothing that's going to stop him like that's the hope we have right now and we want to we want to call one another to that truth we want to be on guard against those chirping voices out there that are just telling us to like stirring up fear and emotion and remind one another of the, of, the, of the hope we have in Christ because, honestly, like, this disaster may go away, but, like, another disaster is going to come, right? Another disaster is going to come. 
And I don't know where you are right now. I don't, if you're at home, I don't know where you are. Like maybe you're losing hope. Maybe you're wanting to give up. Maybe you think this is all pointless. But, but you need to know that Christ is king. He has conquered disease and death and destruction. And one day he is going to make all things beautiful. And we can experience and taste of that beauty today. We can get slivers of it today. We can taste of it today. We don't have to wait. One day it is coming, but we can taste of it today. And so let's, let's encourage one another to keep our eyes on Christ. Floodwaters are going to keep coming in. That's okay. Christ is going to accomplish his purpose. He's going to do his work. Let's talk about this third one. This one's, this one's going to go fast. The, the exhortation, the encouragement. How do we move forward? Look at verses 15 and 16. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their mind and their conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but their, their deeds, they deny him, being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. This is the gospel. We don't become pure by circumcision. If you need to write that down, write that down. We don't become pure by wearing a mask. We don't become pure by who we vote for, for the President of the United States. We don't become pure by not having sex till we get married. We don't become pure by not getting drunk. We, we don't become pure by serving on the worship team. We don't become pure by helping the homeless. We don't become pure by giving away money. We become pure by grace, through faith in Jesus. That's it. To the pure, all things are pure. Do you hear the freedom in that? To the pure, all things are pure. There's wisdom. To the pure, we have wisdom to navigate any challenge in life. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are impure, well, their souls are broken. They're defiled. They're in sin. They're in darkness. Their hearts are broken. Their minds are broken. And so everything they do, it's rotten. Everything they do is to latch on to something else to try to, to make ourselves better. But in Christ, you have been made holy. In Christ, we have been made righteous. So respond to Christ. That's the invitation today. Turn to Christ. If you're at home, you've never met Jesus. Turn to Jesus. If you're here today and you're seeing character flaws that you've never seen and you're, you're in despair, you're in discouragement, turn to Jesus. If you're seeing error, patterns of error show up in your life, turn to Jesus in repentance. If you're fearful, not sure how to respond to somebody who's Drifting into error. Turn to Jesus. Ask for help. Turn to Jesus. There's life in Jesus. There's beauty in Jesus. There's power in Jesus. There's boldness and courage and peace. To, to walk through any flooding waters that might come. He's our North Star. He's the one we keep looking to. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, I thank you for today. 
I confess that I, first and foremost, easily drift into these patterns. I see them all in me. And so I pray in the name of Jesus that, that you'd forgive me for that. I pray you'd help me to see what's influencing me towards that error. I pray you'd help me to turn from that, to turn to truth, to walk in truth, to walk in power and boldness, the beautiful lives we have in Christ. I pray you'd help us all to do that. That our church family would somehow be a, be a shining light on a hill when all the world is getting swept up in chaos and confusion, that somehow there would be a beauty in North Village Church, that we would be shining brightly because of the, the power of Christ running in us and through us. Jesus, we thank you for that. We thank you for today. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.